All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Maritime Mysteries of the Flathead with Kyron Zimmerman and Jeremy Weber from the Big Fork Eagle. How you doing, Kyron? I'm doing great this morning. How about yourself today? I'm doing pretty good. Nice. All right. So hopefully over the next couple weeks, months, years, however long this project goes, we can let people know what's going on and what we're finding underneath the waves in Flathead Lake and beyond. Um, can you tell me a little bit about this project and how it came to be? What do you guys do exactly? Right on. So, um, you know, I grew up here in the Flathead and, uh, you know, recreating on Flathead Lake all, every summer. And, you know, I was ice fishing in the winter. You know, you always see what's above the water, you know, beautiful mountain vistas and, um, you know, everything that's above the water. Uh, but I have a bit of a different interest. You know, when I'm out there, I'm always trying to explore what's more. Um, and surprisingly, there's actually tons of history that's underneath the waters of Flathead Lake um, that hasn't been surveyed very effectively. Um, so at a pretty young age, I got certified in scuba diving and uh, exploring the underwater world has always been a pretty major passion of mine since then. Um, you know, getting certified here in the Flathead, you really don't have much other opportunities to go diving. And, uh, you know, you know, it's like you can not go over to the Great Lakes or, you know, go out to the uh, Caribbean or the ocean or anything. So we have this amazing resource right here in the Flathead Valley, which is Flathead Lake, the Flathead River system and neighboring watersheds. Um, where there is a lot of history just locked up underneath the water. So diving down and uh, revealing or, or showing or documenting what is there, it's just a part of our history that has been overlooked for so long. Um, you know, up until recently, we haven't had the technology that allows us to dive to the bottom of Flathead Lake. Um, you know, now I'm running advanced sonar imaging and ROVs, and of course diving technology has advanced so much where we can actually... Uh, go down and effectively document these sites. Um, so I guess with my uh, history in diving, you know, kind of what led up to this project is, uh, you know, with my background in diving and my passion for, you know, science communications, educational resource development, um, I really kind of gravitated towards uh, photography, photography and <laughs> videography, documenting for scientific purposes, put those two passions together, like, right. hey, let's go ahead and document and see what's underneath Flathead Lake. I know you did some projects um, <clears throat> outside of the U.S. and around the area, but how did you end up back on Flathead Lake? Ooh, that's a good question. So back in 2011, uh, I started traveling for uh, conservation work first. Mm -hmm. I went down to New Zealand, did a bunch of work with New Zealand Fish and Game, and uh, had a really amazing opportunity to dive and document um, fisheries management so that they can develop a better comprehensive data for or database for their uh, freshwater fisheries, um, documenting how agriculture was impacting their rivers and lake systems. Um, so to go along with the numerical data, all the scientific sensors that they were deploying and collecting environmental information on, um, I was employed to dive and document what those scientific numbers represented. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing, amazing process. They dropped me off in these high tributaries above the irrigation zone I would drift down, just like floating, snorkeling in these rivers, oh, wow. taking pictures of everything that I saw. Um, you know, trout, health of the trout, you know, birds, fish, anything that was interacting in those river systems. And of course, clarity of the water, how much algal growth was developing. And over the course of a couple of days, I would drift into uh, like the agricultural areas. And then you can see immediately once... Uh, you can, it was almost like a pretty well-defined line really? when farmers were, or the river was being affected by agriculture. 
Um, the health and conditions of trout and, and bird species really started to degrade. Um, once irrigation really picked up kind of in their summer months, like the whole river stretch would essentially dry up below these dams, these irrigation dams. And then just documenting the process of these fish getting isolated from the main tributary, the water just disappearing and these trout essentially like suffocating, right? Right. (laughs) You know, Um, yeah, it was a really impactful video survey. Um, When I came back to the United States, I was eager to uh, just continue those skills and continue to uh, develop my passion for underwater film work. And uh, looking out over Flathead Lake, that's just a big open opportunity, you know, just, uh, it was calling to me. So. Absolutely. So what is it exactly that this project is looking for underneath those waves? So it's, it's not common knowledge, but before there were roads built around Flathead Lake, this was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, steamboat traffic was the only way, you know, material could be easily transported from Polson up to Demarsville, up to the old township of Holt and Kalispell and Columbia Falls. Like, uh, the lake was our primary highway at the time, and uh, there was an immense number of commercial vessels, private vessels um, that operated on Flathead Lake from the you know uh, late 1800s all the way to the 1920s and 30s, and uh, a lot of those boats did you know meet some demise or another. Uh, a lot of wrecks, wreckages at the bottom of Flathead Lake. A lot of materials at the fl- bottom of Flathead Lake. Um, and yeah, we're just going to see what is actually down there to develop a more comprehensive survey or a comprehensive analysis of what is at the bottom of that watershed. Um, Flooded Lake, as you know, it's a very popular recreational site. Um, as more people come out to recreate on Flathead Lake, those archaeological sites could be at uh, risk of being destroyed or altered. And one of the things that I feel is really significant is we could potentially lose this archaeological resource. We can lose this part of our history and not really know that it's there to begin with. Um, Another really big concern is if uh, zebra mussels or quagga mussels or other aquatic invasive species can get introduced, um, the mussels especially could significantly alter um, wrecks underneath the water. Um, You know, indigenous sites underneath the water as well that have been either deposited there at the time of their making or, you know, with Kerr Dam being put in, these sites have been flooded. So having an archaeological record uh, documenting where, what, and how these sites are presently, you know, it's, it's the best way to preserve them for future generations. So do we know of any sites that have already disappeared? Well, again, this, this is kind of a, a new survey, right? right. <laughs> um, a big part of this first couple of, uh, this first year is to document what's there. Um, you know, we do know of a couple of sites that we've dove on back in 2016, um, diving on them recently uh, shows that they have been altered since we first documented and dove on them. Uh, the Kiyomi has had some materials removed from it. Um, you know, every big flood event, you know, or a, a river washing could potentially deteriorate structure that could be out in uh, the Flathead River system. Uh, you know, wrecks that are up in like the Middle Fork and the the Flathead River system, there's a pretty good chance that that's getting deteriorated, you know, kind of on an annual basis. You know, you have major flooding events, you have uh, uh, sedimentation, so wrecks and structures are getting buried by sediment as it comes into the river and lake system. Um, uh, There is a site up in Dickey Lake. Um, Again, it hasn't been surveyed very effectively, but it's an old logging camp. Okay. Uh, back in the 20s and 30s. 
uh, they would pull logs onto the ice and that's where they would have their timber sales. Um, and actually it's quite interesting because yeah, a lot of that material has either fallen through the ice or sunk and, um, you know, people are going out there and removing, oh, here's a cool pickaxe or, oh, here's a cool saw. And they're not really realizing the historical significance of that site. Um, anything that's been, uh, I guess, lost, quote unquote, lost or abandoned for, or just for 50 years or more, that's, uh, it gets integrated into the, um, uh, antiquities act. So, you know, uh, newspaper 10 from 50 years ago, it was litter back then, but now it's part of a historical context. Interesting. So it's a good part of this project is educating the public like, hey, you know, history is being made every day. And um, yeah, that old Lee Craft boat <laughs> from the 50s, you know, guess what? Now it's now it's considered a, a historic site and it's part of our culture and part of our history. And um, it's important to document that to have available mm-hmm. for future generations. So how do you know where to look and what to look for? So there are a, there's a very good team that I'm working with. Um, we've got uh, Kyle Stetler and Ed Gillenwater. They're amazing historians. They've done a significant amount of research um, on the history of Big Fork and, uh, you know, the Flathead, Flathead as a whole. Um, so you'll look for articles. They'll reference a shipwreck here and there, trains getting derailed in the Flathead. So it's amazing that there is a lot of history that's already out there but not pinning it down to a particular site. Um, you know, just talking with the public, you know, we have a, a very amazing community who are, uh, you know, they've been in the Valley for generations. So they'll tell us stories of, you know, their father or their grandfather who was on one of these boats as they sank or um, have a personal story or a family history associated with this, this history, you know, these wrecks, these boats, these trains, um, uh, a lot of logging history and talking with folks or actually interviewing people who have personal experience uh, is a very, it's a very cool piece of our history that we can still create. And oftentimes they'll drop some pretty interesting nuggets as to where these wrecks lay today. Nice. So what kind of technology, what kind of equipment are you using to explore these sites? Ooh, right on. So this is, this is where I'm most excited about this stuff. <laughs> um, so the first tool that we're using um as far as hard equipment, is the uh, side scan sonar. Um, a local uh, community member donated this amazing industrial grade, grade side scan imaging uh, sonar system that's towed behind the boat. It looks like a big torpedo. And uh, that can send out echolocation waves, right? Echo, echo sounding through the water, and it'll return a beautiful image of what's on the bottom and the amount of detail that this you know, this piece of equipment can produce is fascinating. So with a boat, we're towing transect lines. We have a preset map of where we want to follow and we're towing the tow fish behind us and that's returning what images are what's on the bottom. So that's our first line of investigation is, um, excuse me, uh, deploying that tow fish, marking targets with a GPS um, once we have uh, a, a cool set of targets that we want to go actually mm. dive on, uh, we'll take the boat to where those waypoints are, deploy uh, ROV. So ROV is a remote-operated vehicle. It's essentially an underwater drone. Uh, it's equipped with cameras and thrusters so it can navigate around. Um, manipulator arms, one of my ROVs has a cool little gripper. So if we do see anything, you drop your car keys or whatever, we can re- recover it really easily. <laughs> um and the ROV is our first line to go and investigate these sites. 
So to verify, is that a boat or is that just a really cool, conveniently stack of logs <laughs> sitting at right. the bottom, right? So we'll kick the ROV over. Um, we'll pinpoint where the site is with a GPS that's established on the ROV. And depending on the depth, uh, if it's within diveable limits, uh, we'll send divers over. And that's where we'll collect a detailed photo scan or a three-dimensional rendering or a copy of this wreck. Um, and if it is too deep, uh, I have another ROV, which is specific for uh, high-resolution imaging. And then that can be deployed to collect the photogrammetry rendering uh, if it's deeper than 100 feet or so. So what do you do with all of this information? So it is being cataloged into a database. So the BACC, uh, the Big Fork History Project, right. they're the <laughs> ones who are going to be collect, putting together the, the database and putting together an educational resource to share with other museums and other history, historic organizations around the state. So my job is to collect the information uh, so that we'll have it on record. Mm -hmm. And then the Big Fork History Project and the BACC will make that available to different organizations. So what sites have you found so far? So since 2016, when I was involved with a, another archaeological dive program, uh, we located two sites based off of that project. And last year we did a really detailed, comprehensive survey of the uh, O'Brien Lumber Mill or the Summer's Tie Mill plant. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of material, a lot of structure was sub submerged um, when Kerr Dam was put in. And also a lot of structure was either bulldozed into the lake after, you know, fire events or, you know, other events. They, they just bulldoze up. Well, here's a bunch of material. Here's the remnants of uh, the original lumber mill. They just bulldoze it in as riprap or essentially like water break. And then when Kerr Dam was put in, it flooded that all up. So it's all underwater oh, okay. to this day. Um, so we've got the lumber mill site. Uh, we're focusing on a few other sites uh, this year. We're going to be looking at uh, DeMarsville, the old township of DeMarsville. Um, before Kalispell sits where it is today, um, the town of DeMarsville was right uh, probably about what is it, six miles, six or eight miles south of here along the Flathead River. And, uh, you know, it was built right along the river. So we've got uh, landing sites, ferry landing sites, docks, um, all associated with that original township that are just disarray. They were just left abandoned once Kalispell moved to its present location. So that's a site that we're excited to dive on. We know where it is. We just don't know what's underneath the water. Um, same thing with uh, Painted Rocks. That's another site that we're really excited to document. Um, everything above the water has been really well, you know, surveyed. You know, archaeologists and uh, surveyors have mapped everything above the water quite well. But there could be a wealth of cultural information that's underneath the water that hasn't yet been documented. So I would say for this year, we're targeting sites where there's a strong historical evidence that something's there <laughs> and uh, we're continuing, we're just deploying our uh, equipment to verify what is there and uh, make that available. Uh, we're diving on Woods Bay. We did a scan on Woods Bay last weekend. Um, the sonar revealed some pretty interesting structures at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> um, one sonar image returned, it was very evident that it was a boat, but it's hard to determine exactly how old it is or what from what era. So our next step is to deploy the ROV on it to verify what kind of boat it is, how old it is, 
So are there any sites uh, that you know of or that you've heard rumors of that you're excited about getting to as this project moves forward? Ooh, absolutely. Well, what's really amazing about this project is there's so much community involvement and so much community interest. So now that we're picking up steam and, and folks are aware of what we're doing, uh, I'm getting contacted by folks as far as Bozeman, uh, another fellow up in Canada. You know, there's there's a lot of interest um, in advancing this project. And people are sharing their personal stories and, you know, sharing kind of like family rumors. Hey, there's a, a gold dredge up here next to X Creek, <laughs> you know, um, you know, out in Woods Bay. You know, that's one of the reasons that we were targeting there was uh, a local resident of Woods Bay was telling us about a boat that their f- family was on. Their parents were on this boat. Um, so they have a lot of cultural or just like personal connection to these wrecks in our waterways. And they're like, yeah, let's 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 find them. Let's check these out. Uh, Glacier National Park has some pretty interesting sites that we're excited to dive into. Um, obviously, working with the park is a little extra red tape that we're navigating. But um, one of the amazing things about this project is that there is so much out there, and there is so much to uncover. And it seems like every day, uh, Ed Gillenwater and, and Kyle Stetler, as they're doing their research, are coming up with some cool stories for us to pursue. But uh, that's just part of what we're doing is following these threads, following these mysteries and seeing where they end up. So what projects do you have coming up this summer that you're excited about? Hmm, let's see. We've got, we've got our current archaeological project, you know, finishing our survey sites on Flathead Lake. Um, or at least through this year, we have about six sites that we're focusing on um, just here in the Flathead drainage. Uh Woods Bay is pretty cool. We've got that boat on the sonar where I'm pretty excited to check out. Uh, Painted Rocks. Painted Rocks, again, is going to be really interesting to document what's down Mm -hmm. there. Um, I think the Damarsville site is going to be fascinating just because, again, there hasn't been a very good survey done. And I have dove around those old pilings, and there is some neat stuff under there that I'm just really excited to document and share and, you know, kind of bring to the surface, so to speak. (laughs) Pun totally intended. Um Let's see. Uh, I would say one of the things that I'm most excited about this project is having an opportunity to complete it or having an opportunity to bring it to light. Um, You know, we're interviewing a lot of folks, getting a lot of really amazing stories out of the public. We're following a lot of really amazing leads. Um, Let's see. Without getting into too much detail, because, again, we haven't conducted these surveys yet, um, makes it a little bit tricky to uh, comment on a forum like this because somebody can beat us to it and alter the site before we have a chance to document on it. So pardon the public, everybody. We just got to keep the little DL. It's treasure that we're talking about here, right? Historical treasure. (laughs) Historical treasure. Hey, isn't isn't history our our treasure that we have, right? Absolutely. (laughs) How much does a project like this cost? So... All the equipment um, is quite specialized, so it is pretty expensive. Um, you know, I do own the ROVs. Uh, I do own my own scuba gear, my own underwater camera equipment. So those those are, you know, those are covered. Um, but there is a lot of cost associated with maintaining them. Uh, so, you know, last fall I had a pretty scary flood event with one of my ROVs. One of the seals started leaking. 
So as I'm dropping down to about 200 feet, all of a sudden I start getting these alerts on my surface computer. Uh-oh, like we got a flood, SOS, SOS. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so uh, when you know, a waterproof object suddenly becomes not waterproof. Uh, there you go, right? <laughs> it, it, uh, in 50 years time, it'll be a historical relic. <laughs> so <laughs> you can dive on it again. You can dive on it again. There you go. It's called planting evidence. No. Um, so... Uh, and anyway, that was uh, about 2000 bucks to get everything replaced and repaired and operational for this upcoming season. Um, so yeah, like what we're doing, it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> we have an incredible amount of volunteer support. So mm -hmm. that's helping, you know, keep costs manageable. Um, typically I like to run a crew of about four on a boat, you know, one captain, me operating the sonar or the ROV, um, somebody documenting and sharing or documenting all the information that we collect. Um, and then a fourth member to assist, you know, when and where is available. Right. So those are a lot of people to be involved with the project. Um, you know, really grateful for them. The members that have volunteered to uh, contribute their time has been amazing. Uh, this year we raised about $26,000 and that's enough to effectively, but effectively conduct an initial survey on these sites, right? You know, more funding is going to enable us to do uh, more detailed surveys, get more images, you know, collect a larger, uh, a larger photographic rendering of each site that we are documenting. So this year to cover about five sites, um, we have a $26,000 budget. Okay. So by no means is that enough, but it's enough to get us started. Yeah. So we're always looking for support from the community. You know, this is an amazing project and there's a lot of community interest. So we're, we are continually looking for support. Um, you know, if you have the opportunity or the interest to uh, offer any financial support, uh, please reach out to the BACC office. Uh, they are managing the finances for this particular project. If uh, anyone out there is interested in supporting, please check out the Big Fork Arts and Cultural Center. Um, you can find them at baccbigfork.org. And uh, yeah, anything that you guys can contribute is really appreciated and help moving this project forward. All right, everyone. I think that's going to be it for our first episode here. But hopefully we'll have a lot more of these coming up over the next few weeks, months, and years as we learn more about the mysteries that are underneath the Flathead and beyond. See you next time. Thank you.